Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of SecTools podcast by InfoSec Campus. Uh, this episode, I am very happy to welcome Didier Steven. Um, Didier have contributed to security community with um, a bunch of uh, open source tools, uh, especially on PDF analysis. Um, happy to uh, welcome Didier. Didier, welcome to the podcast and thanks for making time for yeah. Uh, yeah. this podcast. Welcome again. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, how was your journey to information security? <laughs> that became uh, that came a long time ago. Um, I actually wrote a, a blog post about that uh, at the beginning when uh, I started my blog. So about more than 10 years ago. But uh, for me, actually, uh, really, uh, security uh, start in a computer started at the end of the of the 80s, uh, 87, uh, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Because that was the first time that uh, I started to use uh, computers uh, with security on it. It was uh, it was a Unix machine, you see, and so you had to log in with a password, and uh, that was uh, actually uh, my first uh, contact with uh, IT security. Okay. Oh, when did you start um, writing tools? Do you remember the first tool that you wrote uh, on the information security domain? Yeah, it was also um, a tool um, for that Unix uh, machine. So it was also at the end of the 80s. And uh, it was, I don't remember exactly what uh, tool it was, but I remember that it was um, to, to get a list of uh, all users logged into that computer and uh, seeing what they, what they were doing. Um, that's uh, what I wrote. And uh, actually, so the Unix uh, computer uh, significantly uh, influenced uh, the way the, that I design uh, and uh, program tools because uh, I particularly love the idea that you would have small tools that you would chain together to uh, achieve uh, the result that you want. And that's oh, something see. that I also try to do in my tools now. Oh, okay, okay, great. Uh, because um, uh, your website um, is the go-to website for uh, any PDF analysis or or any any document-related analysis, um, mm -hmm. and there are a bunch of uh, um, PDF analysis tools, and uh, some of them even I have used it in many of the engagements. Um, yeah. When when did you uh, start your um, research uh, or learning in PDF analysis uh, field? Oh, I think that happened in uh, in 2008. Uh, well, too if, long if back. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think it happened in 2008 or around that time. I um, I was uh, at Black Hat uh, in Amsterdam at the Black Hat uh, Security Conference, mm -hmm. and I uh, I think it was at the end of the conference. I saw a talk by uh, a French guy, Eric Fio, about uh, PDF and. Uh, security problems uh, you could have uh, with PDF and uh, that interested me a lot. <clears throat> the PDF uh, reference uh, document uh, published uh, by Adobe and uh, I started to, uh, to dig into the files with the binary editor. But then soon uh, I came uh, uh, across all kinds of uh, limitations like for example you can have uh, compressed data in there and uh, that's uh, when I got uh, the idea uh, to start writing a tool that would allow me to uh, to analyze uh, such uh, PDF files. And uh, actually, uh, 
the same happened with uh, office documents but then uh, at the end of 2014 because uh, around october november 2014 there was a revival of uh, office vba uh, malware and uh, to uh, to analyze that you you had to open uh, the the office document in a in a virtual machine and uh, take a look with uh, office itself at the micros and i didn't want to do that because uh, first of all it was cumbersome but also not secure and things like that so uh, i started to write a tool that would allow me to uh, extract the micros uh, straight from the files without having to use a uh, uh, office uh, microsoft office oh, okay yeah yeah that that's pretty much helpful for for actual analysis um, guys because yeah. uh, they don't want to install uh, maybe office packages to analyze uh, document files that's great yeah and and also for, uh, you can with that uh, since it is uh, written in pure python you you can uh, run it on any operating system uh, for which uh, there is a, a python implementation huh? because uh, you for example you have uh, microsoft uh, office for uh, osx for uh, Macintosh, but um, it's it's not uh, the same uh, micro language uh, that is used. Uh, so uh, it's better to have uh, other tools to analyze that. For example, on OS X, like uh, my tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you also um, um, collected all the tools that you've written so far, and then created a, a DDS event suit, and that was cool stuff. Yeah, uh, I got inspired there uh, by uh, Mark Rusinovich uh, with uh, with his sys uh, internal suit. So <clears throat> um, he's an inspiration for me. Uh, I think he's a great guy. I met him several times at uh, Microsoft uh, conferences, and uh, so uh, it was a bit of a tip uh, of the hat to him uh, to uh, also call my collection of tools uh, a suit. Oh, okay, cool. Um, over these um, uh, probably like more than 10 years, uh, you are, so, so the um, document analysis or the PDF analysis you started in 2008, so it's been like more than uh, almost like 10 years now. Over this whole yeah. period, uh, Microsoft changed uh, the office format several times. Also PDF file format has been evolved into more secure fashion or um, uh, a lot of changes actually happened with even the file format itself. Does that affect mm -hmm. you? Um, does was that a challenge to you to rewrite the code or any drastic uh, change in development? No, not really, because um, the the fundamentals of the PDF and I'm talking first about PDF. The fundamentals of the PDF format have not changed, uh, so it, it's still uh, objects with uh, dictionaries and streams. So and uh, that hasn't changed. And, and my tool works at a very, very low level. It works at that object level. So there will be, for example, new constructs and new names and new data types, but they are also always built up of those uh, basic elements. So my, my PDF tool uh, can parse that. Um, what I did uh, mostly uh, last years to my uh, PDF tools is to uh, adapt them so that they are a, a bit uh, easier to use for um, malware that you uh, see nowadays. For example, now with the PDF documents, uh, it's less likely 
that you will find a, a malicious document with an exploit, but it's much more likely nowadays that you will find a, a malicious uh, PDF that uh, contains a, a link and like a download link or, or a phishing link. And uh, you could already uh, use my uh, PDF parser tool to, to find and extract the URL uh, that is in those links. But uh, I made that easier with a, with a dedicated option that you can uh, quickly uh, extract them. And the same with PDF ID. I made a small change to PDF ID so that it would also warn you that uh, the document contains uh, ac active uh, URLs. Yeah. While uh, if we are talking about uh, Microsoft Office, then indeed there was a major change um, from uh, a binary file format to uh, an uh, XML file format, uh, a set of XML files inside a zip container. That's essentially uh, the new file format. But the thing uh, is that Microsoft did not do uh, apply the change to the files that contain the VBA macros. So the VBA macros are still stored using that old file format, you see? Mm -hmm. So inside the new file format, for example, a docm file, yeah, if you open that with uh, a tool that can look into zip files, yeah, you will find the VBA project.bin file. And that VBA project.bin file is not an XML file, but it's a binary file. And uh, it uh, uses the same file format than uh, the, the old file format. Oh, okay, okay. So, so the fundamentally, the, the concepts are pretty much the same. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. These days, um, giving an open source contribution or um, you know, if, if I create a tool um, and to push it online, it, the, the sources are several. I mean, we have uh, GitLabs or, or GitHubs or Bitbuckets or, yeah, so, so many things. Yeah. So in, in the you know, one decade back, how did you uh, publish your code? Are you, you publishing the code in, the, in your website? No, I, um, I had uh, one of the very first uh, tools uh, that I published if I remember correctly, it was written in C sharp, mm -hmm. and it was to to get a list of named pipes on the machine, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And uh, and that tool, I uh, I hosted that on a website that is defunct now. But was it was a source code repository from Microsoft where you could uh, publish your code. Uh, that's uh, when I started. Oh. And uh, unfortunately, uh, soon after uh, I I hosted that there. Uh, we got the news that it would uh, disappear, that website, that it uh, would stop. And that's uh, when I decided to get uh, my, my own uh, web server and, and host my tools uh, on my own uh, website. And then uh, several years ago, of course, uh, source code uh, sharing uh, sites uh, like uh, GitHub uh, became uh, popular again. And then uh, I also made uh, a GitHub repository with all my tools. But uh, to, I have more than 100 tools, so it would be uh, a lot of work to uh, <laughs> create uh, 100, more than 100 repositories and then maintain them all together. So uh, the compromise that I took is that I created one repository that, that contains all of my tools. So, so that was the, uh, the suit? Yeah, you, yeah you, so you can download that as a zip file from my website 
but yeah. you can also find it uh, on GitHub. Oh, okay, okay, great. And, great. and there it's, it's not a zip file, but you have all the individual tools. So if you just need a particular tool, you can go to uh, GitHub uh, on the website and then uh, download uh, just that file for that particular tool. Because uh, I also try to make my tools standalone, that uh, they are just a single file and that, uh, if possible, come uh, without any dependencies. Yeah, uh, that's the most uh, easier part. I mean, I also liked it in when I was using some of the PDF analysis tools in the past. Uh, it was super easy to use that tool because I'm not relying on any, any dependencies or there is no yeah. installation hassle. Uh, it was super easy to execute and then get the results. Yeah, and, and uh, the reason why that evolved like that is that for uh, many years, I've worked in a professional environment where uh, I actually had no uh, option to uh, to install uh, languages or to install runtimes or to install dependencies so i was pretty much stuck with uh, with python 2 and uh, i could not uh, install anything more and that's uh, also what uh, influenced my uh, design of my tools oh okay okay uh, so did you um, um were you started your career as as a developer or you jumped yes. into uh, oh okay you, you yeah. started as a developer yeah i okay. i studied as a as an engineer a software engineer mm -hmm. uh, well uh, back in the time we didn't call it software uh, engineer but uh, a computer system engineer that's what i studied and then uh, in uh, in the early 90s i I started to work uh, as a developer uh, for the Belgian uh, telecom. Oh, okay. okay. When you were in uh, development for almost uh, more than one decade, what was the most challenging challenging things that you've experienced um, while contributing to open source community? I have to think about this a bit uh, because I don't think that I uh, really encountered uh, real challenges to uh, to contribute to the open source community. So it was. It was. It was. Uh, it seems to be a very pleasant experience for you contributing to. Yeah. 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 Indeed. Uh, um, and and I all also f right from the beginning also took uh, the the position that uh, not only uh, did I want to publish open source tools, but also that I would uh, also provide uh, documentation. And so. Uh, on, on my website, you, you can find documentation for most of my tools, also sometimes videos and uh, that explain how to use them. But also in, in many of my tools, I, uh, I try to include a, a man page. Uh, and that also dates back from uh, my Unix uh, days uh, in the 80s. Uh, I loved uh, using uh, man pages, so uh, I got the idea to include a man page. And in, in most of my tools, you can use option M uh, to see the man page uh, of um, <clears throat> of my tool. One exception uh, is my PDF tools, uh, because I started that uh, so long ago that uh, back then I didn't yet have the ID to include a man page. And the, the other thing is also that for my PDF tools, I also have a, a free uh, ebook about uh, malicious PDF analysis on my website. And, Oh, if wow, you uh, nice. go to my website about my PDF tools, I will also link on that page uh, to that uh, document. And that's another reason uh, 
why uh, there is no man page for uh, my PDF tools inside the PDF tools themselves. Uh, but for most of my other Python tools, uh, that's the case. For example, OLA dump, uh, you use uh, option M and then you will get a, a man page with a lot of examples on how to use the tool. Oh, great, great. I think uh, your website also contains so many um, sample analysis, um, I mean, basically done by your own uh, PDF tools and that, that explains yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and also, uh, uh, I also have uh, tools, uh, sorry, a blog post explaining uh, how to do that for uh, my the company I work for, Enviso, uh, here uh, in Belgium. So on their blog post, uh, I will also do malware analysis and uh, often use my tools. And also on the SANS uh, Internet Storm Center, where uh, I am a handler, there uh, I will also uh, post uh, analysis of, uh, of malware with my tools. Oh, great, great. Um, apart from the uh, document analysis, um, what other projects that you worked on? you remember any other uh, memorable projects uh, that you had fun with? Yeah, during uh, a time um, I was uh, working a lot uh, with uh, Cisco iOS and then uh, I, I wrote an open source tool to uh, analyze the memory dumps of uh, Cisco iOS uh, devices so that you could uh, analyze the memory dump uh, like um, uh, like actually volatility does. Eh? Um, mm -hmm. Back then <clears throat> I, I tried to integrate to actually to make plugins for uh, volatility to do that for iOS but um, mm -hmm. back then when I looked into that uh, th that wasn't possible yet. Oh, when, when, when was this uh, uh, tool created? Uh, at least five years ago, I think. Oh I my God! <laughs> I can, if you want, I can look it up here. Oh, that that's that's interesting because yeah. I think that time, uh, yeah, I think memory dump, like memory analysis itself, was quite a new topic. Yeah, um, indeed. People started looking into memory analysis these days because there are there are frameworks or tools to actually do analysis like volatility or. There are a couple of Mandian tools as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, but, uh, uh, in 2012. Well, actually, actually, I published it in 2012, but uh, I think I started in 2011. Wow. Uh, okay. That's great. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I remember that. Yeah, because in 2010 and 2011, uh, I was uh, using uh, Cisco iOS a lot, and uh, that is what uh, what triggered this. I see. Okay. Okay. Didier, um, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. Uh, before we wind up the sessions, I would like uh, your comments or suggestions to uh, the entire security community, especially for people who want to actually write code. Uh, but I've, I've personally met so many people actually being hesitant uh, to write code because they are not developer or they, they don't like developing or they, they must have studied computer science, but they don't like uh, coding stuff. Or some people are good in coding, but they are a bit hesitant to actually push their code online mm -hmm. because they are shy. Because people, other people, other people actually look look at the code and they fear that their code might not be that professional. So yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, no, I would certainly encourage them to do that <clears throat> and and not take those things into account because, for example, uh, my PDF parser 
this that is uh, I, I said myself that is pretty much uh, the parser itself uh, the parser engine itself that's uh, pretty much a crappy code because uh, it's something that evolved eh? when I started to write that I I wrote that because I I wanted to understand uh, in detail how the PDF uh, format uh, was was structured and and that's why I wrote uh, that engine uh, to parse it and uh, of course after uh, I finished that and I had a bit better, uh, much better understanding uh, if I would have to rewrite that engine it would be done uh, completely different you see but uh, it it gets the it gets the job done and uh, and that's uh, the essential thing um, also the reason why um, I I write a lot of tools is that I pretty much uh, learn uh, by doing you see so when I want to learn new stuff I I have to uh, to have a hands-on uh, approach uh, to to learning so coding for me is is one way to uh, to try to learn um, new new uh, new skills uh, in in detail because if you need to program something you you have to uh, have a very good understanding to get it uh, finally to to work properly yeah? so so that is uh, a great uh, a great um, um, motivation eh? to uh, to uh, write code eh? that it it will help you better understand uh, the the methods and uh, and the skills that you're trying to uh, to implement in in a tool and um, another advantage uh, of uh, your tool of writing tools is that you can uh, quickly adapt them for new situations uh, that's what i do a lot sometimes uh, i need to do something uh, new uh, for example uh, analysis well a good example for uh, is for example is uh, base 64 them so uh, in in malware analysis uh, of uh, mal i mean malicious document analysis uh, i would see more and more uh, that the uh, base 64 would be used uh, would was used to uh, encode the payload so that's why i wrote that tool base 64 dump that will search through any file for base 64 strings and that would then decode them and allow me to uh, analyze the the content the, the decoded content of the base 64 strings now uh, later on I got the idea okay that's uh, that's good to do both for base 64 strings but uh, I would also like to do that for hexadecimal strings and and other encoded strings and eh? like um, uh, un um, URL encoded strings or things like that eh? so at that time I could just I, I just took my tool and I added those new encodings and and all the other uh, functionality that was present like uh, dumping in in ASCII hexadecimal or dumping it uh, in uh, hexadecimal and uh, search tools and Yara rules all of those things uh, then were also uh, available for uh, hexadecimal strings you see so unfortunately uh, I didn't think of that ahead so I, I named my tool base 64 them but um, it is named base 64 them but it is able to uh, analyze different different encodings not only base 64 so so you see the the advantage of having your own tools 
uh, is that you can easily modify them yourself to uh, adapt to new situations. Yeah, I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense because when, when you um, when you encounter like more situations, then you, you can evolve the tool to adopt the, that, that situations. I think that's, that's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, and sometimes, well, it can be hard to uh, adapt the, the tools of uh, written by other persons because uh, you, you will have to delve into the code and, and understand what it is doing so, so that you can uh, modify uh, and enhance it while doing that for your own tools uh, is a bit uh, more easy. It's a good idea to write and uh, publish your own tools. Well, they can, they can still start by writing their own tools but uh, not publish them. <laughs> wait for some wait for some time uh, before publishing them. Uh, <laughs> I, I have uh, I have many tools, more than ten tools that I'm working on, and that are not uh, yet published. Uh, so uh, I will wait for uh, a certain level of maturity before I publish them. Oh, okay. And that's why that's why I also have um, uh, a beta repository. So I have a GitHub repository that I call beta. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I will talk about the new tool that I'm working on, on, on Twitter, for example, and then people are already interested in a version. And then uh, I will put uh, that version in, a, in, a, in the beta uh, repository. Because when I write, uh, when I release tools, I, I will uh, particularly focus on uh, backwards compatibility when uh, I uh, add new features. And so I mean, um, I, I will, for example, try not to change any um, any options eh? so that uh, you can still use um, the, the old options that they still have uh, the same name. Eh? But the exception is for tools that I publish in beta. Eh? If they are in my beta repository, and then later on I will uh, include them in my uh, uh, final release repository, uh, so uh, the, the, the suit, then uh, of course there might be significant changes uh, between the tools. I like, for example, RTF dump. I did that with RTF dump uh, for uh, the rich text format. Uh, there was a significant rewrite between the two and changes in the output and options, and uh, um, that's why um, then uh, it was first in beta. Wow, great, great. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good idea. I think, uh, yeah, mostly um, I develop tools like in, mo in my local systems and then um, I push the code um, online. Then I have yeah. a release branch with beta. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, having a repository with beta and then you push all the code there and then get comments from other people to, to do more improvisation, that's a, that's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah, essentially, um, I mean, I, I, I would like to actually re-emphasize what you, what you mentioned earlier that uh, more than like developing tools, I think the learning curve while developing the tools are like amazing because yeah, you learn indeed. more depth uh, knowledge um, because you need to actually convert that into code. Uh, so you need to know every integrity of um, the, the yeah. concept. I think that's, that's yeah. great. Yeah, indeed, because uh, sometimes uh, people will say uh, when I release a tool, oh, but you're uh, re reinventing the wheel. But uh, yeah. actually, my goal is not to, to reinvent the wheel, but uh, I'm learning how to make wheels. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And that, 
and that's the difference. And of course, if you want to learn how to make uh, wheels, well, yeah, you end up making a wheel, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good advice. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Didier. Uh, thanks for joining and sharing your wonderful experience. You're welcome, Sanup. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Set Tools podcast. Uh, that was Didier Steven. He has contributed a plenty of tools to Office and PDF malware analysis. I'll talk to you next month with other exciting episodes of Set Tools podcast. See you.